Quicksilver, where we dig deep into the twists and turns of your life and career story, where I coach a little and you reflect a little bit more, and then we trade gifts. In return for sharing your account and playing with my questions, I play back the very best version of your story that I can, for you to use to boost your own self-confidence, to see yourself as never before, and to share with those that you need to convince. Welcome to Career Quicksilver. Press record, and here we go. So, Alicia, thank you very much for joining us here on Career Quicksilver. We are going to spend some time together today and get you to tell your story. Hopefully, at the end, I will be able to gift back a new version of your story. And I'm very much looking forward to doing this. Full disclosure, Alicia is a client of mine. So I maybe know a little more about her than I sometimes do about my victims on this podcast, but I'm delighted to have you on board, Alicia. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here as well. Good. Okay. So let's start with the very simple but exciting question, which is for you to tell me your career story. Take 10 minutes or so. And tell me how you got started, the big and major career crossroads and transitions, and what you're most proud of. Okay. I think it, it started the, the early, my, in 1989, I remember starting with a company, AT&T, actually, as just a customer account representative. Um, and I, I just, I stayed there for 10 years and took an early retirement from there. But while being there, I had an opportunity just to, we had a large earthquake, I think it was in 19, I think it was 1989 actually. And I remember saying, okay, well, since this company is a nationwide company, I'm just gonna get up and move. So I got up and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, no family there, nobody adjusted well, did well, um, stayed there a few years and came back. And uh, when I came back, I started to, be, I, you know, maybe that was a great set because I started to get a lot of recognition and quickly started to move up um, the, I guess, management ladder, quality assurance managers and things like that. But for me, my biggest, uh, uh, I remember uh, my biggest accomplishment for at the at AT&T was being at the multilingual center. I started there as a trainer and I loved uh, having people from all different parts of the country. We, I think we had a Cantonese team, a Mandarin team, Japanese, uh, Korean team, Tagalog team. I mean, so many teams. Uh, we even had French and things like that. And these people would come to the initial training and I get to train them. And it was so amazing because even though you train them about what they're going to do at the company, the impact you make on their life is, um, is lifelong. And so I remember one person, I remember her name, but I'll say her first name, Amy. I remember when she said to me at the end of the training, you really changed my mind about black people. And I was so shocked that you would rude, but it wasn't. She was saying, she's like, she literally said, I thought you all were lazy and didn't save money. And I know, you know, I understand that English is their third, fourth some language. And I knew she didn't mean what someone else may have thought she meant. But the fact that I could see under those words and, and understand that this lady was giving me a compliment. And instead of what she saw on TV or what she heard, she had an experience that would change her life about a group of people. Um, and that was exciting. But at the Multilingual Center, the biggest accomplishment was actually 
being asked to lead a Cantonese team without mm. knowing the language. Um, so I was the first manager to lead a language team without knowing a language. And it was because I was so effective at achieving goals, right? If you give me a goal, I'm going to hit it. Now, I have to say back then, I was so much more goal-oriented than people-oriented. I remember a mentor told me, you can implement any goal, but you leave a lot of collateral damage. So that was something. <laughs> But at the, I, I mean, I even went out to start, I took a class called Chinese and me at the time being naive, I walked back into the center and I'm like, ni hao ma. And they were like, that's Mandarin. I was like, no. <laughs> so I ended up doing a little bit. I only do like a preschool now. Like I think I can write a few numbers and say a few numbers, but we did. We, um, this Cantonese team, I, I mean, these people became part of my life. Um, they opened up their culture to me. I opened up mine to them and we did hit our goals. And that was um, truly, truly exciting um, at AT&T. Then of course, um, things were happening in telecommunications. I took a, a early retirement from there, kind of went into the startup world. And that was fascinating. I think the, the, um, I think the biggest accomplishment there is I worked for a company called Globix and I was a provisioning manager. And they allowed me, because it was a startup, of course, at that time it was a lot of word of mouth. So I had one person from the multilingual center come with me and then another guy, I don't even remember where I met him, uh, but he was from AT&T as well. And we formed the provisioning team. And everything we implemented, we were in Santa Clara, but the main office was in um, New York. Everything we implemented, they picked up in New York, but also people start, because of the word of mouth of how good we were, um, people sought the team. They would hire me and the team. So I actually had startups approach us and we did take one as a team and go to another startup. And the, the next startup didn't do so well, but the fact that we had made a name as a team that we could design and implement anything, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, so though I think those were really fun days. Um, and then uh, my one of my old managers who I still love today, um, at AT&T, she ended up at one of the call centers I worked at, she ended up starting a startup with some other people and asked me to come over to their company, Payment One. And I did go over there and I, she told me, she says, never care about the title someone gives you, do the job you wanna do. So I had the job of project manager, but boy, did I get to do a lot of things at that company. Mm. Um, it was fascinating. It was, this was the first company to figure out how to, um, bill for internet services, American online. How do you do that on a telephone bill? <laughs> That's how old it was. And so, but it was, it, was, um, it was really, really cool. So I ended up working for her, did some things there that was incredible. Um, I think I participated in the second round of funding there. And with her, under her leadership, I've always got a lot of awards. You know, she, um, I remember with AT&T, I got a Golden Globe Award because I've always been able to find gaps and save money. Like, I think when I came in to her first team, we were at AT&T, I took her training from like six weeks to four weeks and saved a thousand. Of, I mean, they, I, I could just find gaps and figure out how to save money and how to meet goals. And that's what she wanted me for there. And then I just got, I went through a divorce actually, cause I was so busy working that, um, you know, that you just get busy working. I ended up divorced. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I wanna just see who I am and what's out there. So I went back to school 
And uh, I actually went to a school on studying the Bible, actually. Had I, no reason just to, what is this? I want to figure out more about it. How do you study it? What does it mean? Never in my wildest dreams would I thought it would open door in, in, in anything. But my, I, I do go to church, and I remember my pastor, he started allowing me to teach Bible study and things like that. And believe it or not, it was in this school that I learned about marriage and family therapy and um, being a, clinic, a clinician. And I went to a school that was the first one to teach, well, first one in our area, to teach on how do you integrate a whole person into the therapy room, including their beliefs. And I loved it. Um, and it, it sounds like the complete opposite of what I was doing, which is measurements and goals and gaps, but it's really not. Because they were introducing evidence-based practices, I was still able to find gaps and measure things. And, um, and even today, even because I do do therapy, especially during COVID, uh, I want, that's my way of giving back today. I am still able to quickly find gaps and, and, met, and help people see movement in therapy. So it, it's really not the opposite, but it opened up this whole new world for me. And um, I actually left the startup world and worked for a church and uh, a church and a non-religious nonprofit where I was able to actually take what I've learned and build it in a community to help people. Um, and that's where eventually I met my husband and uh, he took a job in Norway and I, I ended up there. And for me there, I thought that I was gonna go learn the language and just jump in and fit right into the Norwegian culture. And that was a challenge. And so I ended up saying, okay, well, what can I do? That, you know, how do I fit in here? And that's when it came up or transformative tech or whatever, depending on what continent you're on, what you want to call it. And I was determined to figure out how to leverage technology to enhance the well-being of people. And I started a company. Uh, first, I started a, something called Global Counseling Solutions, which is where I helped expats, a lot of Americans and or um, that were living abroad. I didn't even realize it was a need until someone heard that I was a therapist and asked me to do it. And I opened up a practice and I'm like, whoa, where are all these people come from? And then I saw, I heard that the stories, they kept telling the same stories and having the same problems like, okay, since this, you know, I'm doing this over and over again, how do I use technology? And that's when I met two other um, people that had immigrated to Norway and we figured out a, a way to use technology to help people figure out what their uh, culture shock adjustment model would look like when they moved abroad. Um, so then my husband took a job back in America <laughs> <laughs> and I'm following and I am going to hopefully continue that, but also expand it, take all that I've learned and figure out how to, how do all these things fit together and how can I continue to uh, help people transition? And when I say transition, I mean life or job, uh, because we all have transitions and usually we go through them just blindly, but how can we intentionally do it? And I'm not sure what arena that'll end up, but it will be some type of health tech. And that's it. <laughs> pretty good summary. And I'm pretty sure you stuck to the time limit. So well done. Tell me about when you were six or seven or eight, that kind of age where you're still somewhat innocent. Tell me about what you were getting into. What was lighting you up when you were a little girl? Music. And I remember we did, I did a lot of girls club um, activities, but the thing I think I'm most proud of is when I was really young, we had this sucker called a charms blow pop. And then we had these things called Jolly Rancher sticks. And I actually figured out how to melt down 
one the, the stick and wrap it around the candy and sell it to people at a higher cost. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun to me. But I was um because I was born with low vision, my parents were um, and they didn't know a lot about it, they, uh, but they were very protective. But I remember always finding a way because nobody really understood what was wrong. And so I remember even to see somebody across the street, my cousin and I, she would say, okay, this is a plan. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, then you wave. So it would be one, two, three. And then I would wave at the people not knowing who they are. So I was always looking for ways to be normal, looking for ways to make the things around me and my environment normal um, because of, um, yeah, just because of who I was. Yeah. I was always innovative. <laughs> so this desire to fit in or be, or be normal or appear normal or, or, or somehow subscribe to that model, however not normal you were, and we're all not normal to some degree. Tell me about how that has shown up in other ways later on in your career in life? Yeah, so I think, first of all, growing up with nobody believing that I could not see because I had on glasses and nobody mm. giving my parents the words or the, the knowledge to explain to people, mm. I was no one, I was treated like a fully sighted child. Mm. So as I went into, um, the workplace, I remember one boss saying, why is your nose on your computer? I can get you a magnifier. <laughs> that was the first time I was like, yes, a magnifier. So I, I had actually learned to ignore it. And, and I've, I learned that, okay, Alicia, this is it. If nobody believes you, you still have to make this work. So I actually even got a driver's license. Oh, that was probably not a smart idea a long time ago, but I did everything um, that I, that a fully sighted person uh, would do. But when it, it showed up later, um, it's, it's a, it can be a bit awkward when people think you're fully sighted and they think, for example, that I remember them. I'm like, no, I don't remember you. And they're like, no, but we met like three times. <laughs> I want to say, well, no, I'm still not going to remember you if you don't, if we don't have some type of interaction that I can remember. Mm. And they don't get it. I remember one girl in Norway told me, if, if you introduce yourself to me again, I'm not talking to you anymore. And boy, I'm sure I did it because I don't ever remember seeing this person again. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. She was uh, hoisted by her own petard, wasn't she? <laughs> yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. Tell me what's been your greatest struggle through your career. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I always wanting, I think, so my biggest struggle is I am a big picture person and I am always much farther ahead. A lot of times I never am satisfied. So you're never going to get, I'm not your maintainer and you're never going to get me to think in the moment, but for a moment. And I'm always looking for gaps, always looking to learn, always looking to build. And that can be tiring from people, for people. Um, and also um, some people just need smaller steps. So I think that has been a struggle. And I think I try to intentionally address it uh, when I'm thinking about it. But um, I never stop dreaming ever. And for some companies, that's amazing if put in the right position. But for others, they're like, could you just do this? And so that's, yeah. Mm. Interesting. And I'm thinking also that there may be some sort of challenge also with 
staying in the moment and enjoying whatever success you have created. This is a pattern we often see where the big dreamers, the big visionaries, the big fixers are so much looking towards the future that even when they've just, you know, run a marathon or won a gold medal, you don't stop to celebrate. You don't stop to mark the moment. Is that something that is in your, in your universe as well? Yeah, that's true. My celebration is the next project, right? My celebration is the next thing. I don't really need a lot of the, or maybe that's me uh, just saying that. And maybe mm. I do, but yeah, yeah someone, told me stop and smell the roses and I go okay I'm done <laughs> <laughs> we can come back to that in our coaching work definitely yeah. <laughs> okay so I would say that I've got a lot of material here that's um, making me feel very excited about the story I can give back to you so I'm going to put the recording on pause for just a moment and here we go so what most people know about Alicia is that she is passionate about inclusion and has created some extraordinary platforms to improve thousands of lives across the world. She's a builder of companies, systems, organizations, teams, solutions, and more. If you need something built, you get Alicia on your team. She has an incredible enthusiasm, energy, and ambition for achieving her goals. Her reputation and that of the teams she works with is one of constantly finding new, wonderful, and valuable uses for technology to serve humans from business to family to volunteering and more. She sees the big picture and understands ecosystems and ensures everybody is equipped with the mindset to thrive and flourish. And she has an extraordinary ability to move from concept to action, from the complex to the simple, and just to create transformation all around her, changing lives as she goes. What most people don't know about Alicia is that she's been building value since she was a little girl and selling enhanced candies. They also probably don't know, at least not the background, to the challenge that she's had with vision. But she's found her own unique creative solution, looking for ways to fit in and understand the environment around her in all kinds of different perspectives. Alicia had a deep need for faith and hope, a belief in higher powers and optimism and making things better for all. Also for inclusion of herself, first and foremost, of others and all those who are different in any particular environment. And she certainly has this incredible need for constant learning. Her LinkedIn profile makes me dizzy with its list of qualifications, certifications, and challenging experiences. And every time we talk, she's got a new plan, which always involves further learning. Much of this is related to a need for connection, for building bridges. She creates community around her wherever she goes as part of this fitting in that she's been seeking ever since the very early years. A need also for revealing and tackling invisible problems whether those be expat struggle, mental health, or maybe more practical issues like getting training done well or whatever it might be. But wherever those problems are hidden, be sure that Alicia will dig them out and solve them for you. Possibly even if you don't want them solved or you thought you didn't want them solved. She also has this huge need for learning to ignore the problems that present themselves and just treat them almost as if they don't exist so that she can get on with dealing with the right thing. There's something really powerful about Alicia. She has a vision of the world 
whereby everyone can be helped, where, whereby everybody deserves and can get help. And she won't stop fighting until she gets there, until she creates it. She sees possibilities where others see obstacles, creates more than anybody ever expects, finding gaps and saving money. She's pretty much the perfect storm. There's something else about her. She's sometimes so excited about her ideas that she forgets and leaves collateral damage along the way. Luckily, she knows about this. She's deeply aware of her blind spots. Perhaps that's been helped along by the challenges she's had with other kinds of vision. And she's able to laugh about whatever goes on, nevertheless treating it seriously and always improving. She's never satisfied, always looking to build and improvise and never stops dreaming. What's always amazing about her is that she digs deep and goes beyond expectations. And she brings her full self to everything she's involved with. It's no real surprise that Alicia is building and exploring new possibilities all the time. She's flexible and adaptable and sees the opportunity everywhere she goes. Now, here's what I know. If you're looking for someone who builds bridges wherever she goes, who breaks down whatever the barriers that are up, who believes in truly equal opportunities for all, who brings people and ideas together, bringing clarity and purpose wherever she is, who injects energy, acuity and fun into everything she does. She's a force of nature and someone who never stops dreaming then you need Alicia on your team. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Would you introduce me to her? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my goodness. I don't know how, how you do that. You made things make sense. Thank you so much. I don't, I would have, thank you. What a gift. That's what I'll say. I'm delighted to share it with you. Make it so easy because you are full of gifts yourself. Oh, thank um, you. But sometimes we're not so good at seeing our own gifts. No, no, that was quite, I definitely had never thought of it. And I mean, it was so, you made it, it made sense. I've actually been struggling with how does all this fit together and does it make sense? And you made it make sense. And give me something to think about and thank you so much. I'm deeply moved by it actually. <laughs> um, I'm delighted. I'd be yeah. kind of disappointed if you weren't, but, but you never know, right? This is a, this is a crapshoot every time. I had the advantage obviously of knowing you a little better than some of the people that come on this show, but nevertheless, um, if, if I can't take this and use my little method and, and my, my love of bringing things together and telling the story, then, you know, that's, that's my fault and I need to work on it. But if I've, if I've been able to help you see things slightly yeah. differently from today onwards, then it's my pleasure as well as yours. It's a pleasure shared. Thank you so much. Cause yes, I will see things differently. <laughs> and Good. I do thank you so much. Good. And you will also have the benefit of this recording to, to keep 
um, and it'll be out in the public domain as well. So when you need to tell someone your story, you can always, if you're not feeling confident about telling it yourself today, you can direct them off to the Career Quicksilver podcast episode, whatever it'll be, 12, 13, and say, yes. you want to know something? Go and hear it over there. Yeah, love it. Thank you so much. I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> invaluable oh my gosh you did in a few minutes what I'm sure it takes years I'm not sure if I could have ever achieved it so thank you well it's a pleasure thank you for so so much for coming on and and being so open and sharing with your story um, I will be looking forward to, to publishing this soon and I wish you well with the coming days and we'll look forward to your considered responses to to what we've discussed today Thank you, Alison. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I do hope that today's story and the work we've done around it have inspired you in some way. If you would like to be a guest at some point in the future on this podcast, then please send me a message telling you why you think that would be a great idea. You can send that to claire at claireharbour.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks once again for listening and see you soon.